I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast to Money Talks aired March 4th, 2017. The economic health of this nation has been... The four essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline in the dollar. Late rally on Wall Street. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. Welcome. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm your host, Troy Harmon. I'm here today with K.C. Smith. That's two initials, K and C, not K.C. Smith. That's it. You get that a little bit, I get right? that from time to time. Well, that's the, yeah. That'll be the first time our clients have ever heard that. I think you're there. Everybody thinks he's K.C. Yeah. Well, I, I just I roll with it. You can call me whatever you whatever, want. Whatever, as long as you don't call you late for dinner. That's right. <laughs> All right. Casey Smith, who also has initials behind his name. That's right. He's a CFP, Correct. certified financial planner. And uh, we have a, an, another guest. I'm going to call him a guest. That's this right. Time I missed he, last week. Well, you, you know? didn't miss last week, but you missed a whole lot of other things, like maybe the call on the market. Well, that was intentional, Troy, okay? As, as head of our research department, I'm trying to make you look good oh, and do well. well for our clients, too. I mean, when I call it when I call it bearish, what happens? It goes up every time. Uh, yeah. So well, what, what do you think I'm going to call it today? I keep, All I know is I'm taking you to one. Vegas, and I'm going to bet on whatever True. the opposite of whatever you put down. That's usually yeah, what I no do. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's Jarrett McKenzie we're referring to. He that's also... Right. Is a, a CFP and he's got uh, something else like certified wealth strategist. That's right. That wow, got I got it. that one right. I, uh, no, I never remember. I know the CWS, but I yeah. never remember hey. what it means. First time for everything. You're getting How there. About that. Picking it, picking it up <laughs> after all these all these years. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, well, Jared, I know you would have probably said otherwise, but uh, this week, guess what? The market's up about 1% since our last radio show. Yeah, thanks to my call. How about that? You know, look, hey, if man, every instinct you have you is wrong, <laughs> then the opposite exactly. would have to be right. Yeah. Look, at this point, it's become a trend. I think we can tell by this at this point that if I call it if I call it down, it's going up. So the I want to keep doing well by our clients. All right. I'll keep doing it. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Whatever hey, Jared yeah, says, I mean, go, go with the opposite. <laughs> I hope it's not that way throughout your life, Jared. But, uh, uh, no, no, no. I, I wouldn't pass up the opportunity to give you a little bit of grief. Um, telecoms, the only thing negative this week. So uh, maybe it was that sector you were talking about. We'll, we'll just go with that. Mm-hmm. Down 0.43% or 43 basis points. Uh, real estate's also kind of toward the bottom. Um, it was kind of a strange week this week on Wall Street. We're up 1%, but it was led by utilities. Yeah. Uh, that has not been the case lately. Uh, very strange. Utilities up 2%, um, and, and we saw yields increase pretty much across the board as well. Uh, there's, uh, it, it's, it's still real strange. What we saw was a real strong rally after Tuesday night's speech, right? Yep. Uh, so really what we find in the speech uh, from the president, we found – Pretty much a reiteration of the same. The only real piece that I picked out, he I mean, he, I think he made this claim, but he 
basically went right at the fact that he's not the president of the world. He's the president of the United States. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I thought it was a very well, well, uh, well done speech and well received. Clearly, oh, the market, absolutely. Yeah. the market is concerned. Yeah, yeah the market uh, yeah. spiked much higher on uh, on Wednesday uh, yeah. on the heels of that. And strangely enough, you know, the bond market sold off. Yields increased uh, pretty significantly um, on the news. So but, speaking of yields, do do you see? Do you see what I see? And I'm not sure if, if that thing so, that Jarrett's doing right now is what you're talking about. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. It's not worth talking about on the air. No, I don't think we can talk about it's that. It's not appropriate. Right. Uh, the, the, uh, so the two-year was up about 12.6 basis points. Right. Five-year up 15.9 basis points. Yep. 30-year was, was still up, but uh, only 6.7 basis points. So yeah. uh, is that... A little bit of flattening going it on. It is a little bit of flattening. Um, the thing that's that's also strange. We see uh, we see yields increasing. We see uh, on Tuesday, late Tuesday, the Fed came out and talked a little bit about uh, what they're going to do going forward. Feel like they're being uh, discounted a little bit, not right. being not being paid enough attention to. Uh, so now the market's got the Fed, uh, the implied options, implied probabilities of a Fed increase in March at somewhere over 80%. That's a huge development just in the last week. Right. Um, You know, so they're saying now that March is in play for a Fed interest rate increase. Um, And then you look further down the road, we're still only seeing two in 2017, at least indicated by the market. So uh, it's really hard to to make sense out of what's going on. Uh, Well, and as you mentioned earlier with the the sort of the strange – you know, normally you don't see utilities leading the way right. when the market's up. Right. So there's so, sort of a, a weird dynamic going on with. Uh, and you also don't see utilities leading when bond prices are falling. Right. So we have we have an increase in yields across the board. We have utilities leading an up market. Uh, you've got uh, GDP was was. Uh, Released this week, 1.9%. It was expected to be over 2%, 2.1%, something right in there. Some folks had it as, as high as 2.4%. Our most recent previous uh, quarterly uh, report on gross domestic product was 3.5%. Yep. Uh, and yet the market decides that uh, we're, we're going higher yeah. no matter what. Uh, it's, a, it's a strange dynamic for sure. It do you, really do you think investors are chasing some safety because of these market levels? I mean, with it being at you know, the level it is, might they perceive that as being safer than? I would go. I, I would go with that, except for the fact that we see treasuries sell off like they did. I mean, sure. you know, it's yeah. um, you see. Usually, if safety is the key, then uh, yields fall a little bit, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. prices, Bond prices on, go on bonds yeah. increase. So, I, again, Jared, I, I can't make a whole lot of sense out of what's going on this week in the market. Um, I, I get that uh, a lot of folks in the market probably. Uh, appreciated what was said on Tuesday night. Um, maybe the Fed's right. They're getting they're getting the short end of the the deal on this. Nobody's paying them attention. Uh, we got some information to to talk about. Um, we're getting toward the end of earnings season. Let me go ahead and throw those numbers out. Uh, sales surprise positive 042 percent overall. Earnings surprise two and a half percent on the sales growth, which I think means more than uh, the surprise numbers, the surprise is only telling us that analysts kind of got it wrong. Um, 
sales growth 4.85% in the fourth quarter and uh, earnings growth 6.4%. Pretty substantial numbers. It's it's not bad at all. Uh, you know, the details are more or less where they were. Previously, we do see earnings growth at 114% in utilities, which might be the reason that some of those utilities are higher. Uh, even, even when, it, you know, the underlying fundamentals seem to, to have uh, led us to the fact that they should have been lower. Right. Um, and then uh, energy's negative 9%. We had it not just a couple of quarters ago that energy earnings growth was non-measurable because it was so far negative. So um, I, I guess that's uh, overall a, a positive development. We're getting a little better with energy, but uh, it's still not, not – uh, Killing it, yeah. I guess, is about the best way to say it. So we do have several uh, indicators. I've already mentioned GDP. The only piece that I didn't talk about, savings rate slipped to 5.6%. In the prior quarter, it was 5.9%. Uh, that was also released with the GDP. Case-Shiller home prices uh, are still pretty substantially positive. Uh, index, the 20-city the index rose to uh, 5.6 from 5.2% in the previous month. Uh, the 10-city index was up 4.9 versus 4.4%. And then consumer confidence, this one always kind of baffles me, but we always ask the consumer because we get their sentiment. You know, it, it lets us know kind of what they think, whether or not you, know, you can't use this as a, a true indication of the economy, but it is a good indicator of what the consumer's thinking. Right. Uh, and uh, consumer confidence rose 3.2%. Uh, or 3.2 points, sorry, in uh, February to 114.8. Uh, January's number was revised downward by 0.2 points. And that February number is the highest reading for consumer confidence since August 2001. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, going way back. So the consumer's thinking things are great. I guess that's not surprising that we would have a positive market, uh, you know, if a consumer actually makes up so much of uh, GDP. Right. Uh, MBA mortgage apps, we look at this every week. It's positive again. Uh, the total composite index, 5.8% positive. Uh, refi index, 5.1%. Uh, purchase index, 65 So people are out buying houses. Spring seems to have come at least to the southeast a little bit early. We've got uh, all the flowers are in bloom. I've got uh, I'm, I'm a little bloom. worried about the azaleas for uh, the Masters this year. I don't know what they're going to do. Are I, they going to put them on ice or something? Hey, I don't know. They could they they could fall off. The, the blossoms <laughs> could fall off before we get there. It's uh it really is early, but we've seen uh, weather make a huge difference in our um, in several things. Those utilities probably are going to be talking about that. Yeah. You know, next quarter earnings release. Uh, nobody used as much gas as they would have normally expected them to. Um, U.S. personal income, I've talked a little about this. The, the numbers in this particular piece are, are a bit different. Um, when you look at nominal personal income accelerated to uh, 0.4%, and uh, that was versus a previous uh, number of 0.3%. Um, guys, I think we should probably take a real quick break, and we'll come back in just a minute with uh, more economic news and maybe a dog of the week. How about that? Sounds good. Let's do it. It's time for the dog of the week. 
All right, we got a dog of the week this week, and it uh, actually involves dogs. Uh, story out of Bloomberg uh, from March 1st uh, says, uh, after a family, Shiba Inu died. I didn't even know what breed that is. I, I, I had a friend that had a Shiba Inu. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dawn Sabins decided to surprise her seven-year-old son with a new puppy. Uh, in March of 2015, she dropped into a San Diego area pet store looking for an English bulldog. She walked away with a golden retriever. That's not the story we're talking about. Strangely enough, she paid $2,400. She got home, checked out her uh, credit reports, and saw that there was a charge for $5,800 on uh, on the the credit report from a company she had never heard of. Uh, when she was in the store, she decided that she would uh, just finance the purchase of her dog, 2400 bucks. But it turned into 58. She calls the company. This company uh, is called, I can help you with this, hang on just a second, uh, Wags Lending. Wags Lending has got a, a guy from Nevada. He, You can go to their website and check it all out. But uh, Basically, she called and told him, you know, how in the world does my $2,400 dog get to $5,800? She said uh, she almost fell over when she found out that they said, oh, no, you didn't buy the dog. You're leasing the dog. <laughs> what? Leasing the dog. Yeah, the uh, the overall fee, uh, it's like 117 bucks a month uh, and goes for 36 months. On a how lease old was after the dog? Well, it was a puppy. After the lease, you can buy the dog for just a couple more monthly payments. This is quite a deal. This is an interesting concept. This is this is a spin on CDOs. This is a collateralized dog obligation, <laughs> not a collateralized <laughs> debt obligation. And nice. I think, and what's even stranger is, you know, if you read more into the details of this story, um, it's it's not for you know the the common person who probably might want to put that on their credit card, maybe pay it off at the end of the month. That's kind of what I would say uh, if you didn't have folded money like that. Uh, but they do big business in subprime. So it's subprime CDOs. Wow. Subprime collateralized dog People who want their dog and they want it right now and don't really have enough money to pay for it can go out and... Well, you, now, I, they, I smell they an sell opportunity it like you're here. financing the but dog. But they need another mouth to feed. That sounds Cred credit dog swaps. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the next thing coming. Uh, say it turns out to be about thirty-six percent or one hundred and seventy percent on an annualized basis for uh, for most of the the leases that they make on a dog. Now, a lot of folks will lease their car and lease, uh, you know, a home. We know. Yeah. I can, we got a secular move where people are not wanting to, to buy see, a house See, the thing anymore. about a dog is the, the early years are kind of the more painful years, right? I mean, you got to potty train the dog. Yeah. you got to, you know, the puppy's chewing mm -hmm. through everything. you got to train it. Yeah. So well, after you've done that, you, you've done all the hard work. Why do you want to give it up at that point? Well, it sounds like this lady model. didn't know she was going to. Uh, yeah, she didn't well, know she how to clearly, read either. Clearly, she was surprised that uh, that she had just leased a dog. And I mean, who would pay fifty eight hundred bucks? I think probably all of us who might have a dog in uh, vet bills and and uh, food and all the other things that go with dog ownership probably pay that much. But uh, moral of the wow. story: read before you sign. Yeah, well, that's not true. only that, but I mean, there's a business out there for everything. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's true. I don't who know would have ever thought? I'm telling business. you, there's an opportunity to 
Credit dog so, swaps. We yeah, can I, we can capitalize on this turn going upside down. There you go. Yeah, how can we trade that, Troy? Can you <laughs> figure that out for us? No, no <laughs> I don't want to even be a part of it. Well, you don't think that will meet our criteria? I mean, is oh, that I absolutely not. I mean, maybe on the investment side, somebody will want to get a hold of that. But I, you know, somebody that's going to go out and be willing to pay thirty six percent, they're probably not our credit profile. Yeah, I would say you might be right not. about that. Yeah, sounds sounds like a. A pretty high vig, <laughs> cousin yeah. Vinny down the street. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, guys. Uh, hopefully, y'all got something a little more entertaining than that particular dog of the week. But um, we do have a uh, case study. That's right. And uh, Jarrett, is this something that you ran into recently? We got uh, Reed and Kristen. Or yeah, is that right? Kristen? That's right. Work with a financial advisor. Recently, Reed let his advisor know he invested in a Trump portfolio. He's seen an article where a fund manager touted his Trump for- portfolio. Uh, it was full of stocks that should do well, given the administration's policies. High fees, about 3%. Wow, that is high fees. Yeah, extremely. Um, yeah, and then the uh, the portfolio includes many of the same stocks that the advisor themselves actually recommend. So, uh, That's right. What would you do in that situation? Yeah, well, the first thing I did was come to see you. <laughs> something we looked at together, and, you know, it, it is just something that uh, has come up a couple of times now. And, frankly, you might expect it to, given that, you know, when there are big changes like this, uh, perhaps one in, in the administration, you know, some companies will take advantage of that change in terms of designing a product like this one around it, because basically it is an election fund that has pulled a group of investments together, uh, in this case stocks, uh, that are or, or would hope to be designed in a way uh, so that they would do well if, you know, dependent upon what the current administration's policies are or were promised to be. And so, uh, you know, what we found in this case was not only were, was the advisor actually investing by investing in this in this fund, he was he was also over investing in companies that he already owned because he was buying more exposure to the companies that he had in the portfolio that we helped uh, them manage with or that we helped them manage. So uh, one of the things to, to keep a close eye on here when considering uh, you know, basically products like this is how might that affect the other side of your portfolio or the, re- or the rest of your portfolio because, sure. you know, you can – uh, there's there's a number of different angles here uh, that you might want to keep an eye out for, but that would be one of the first places I would start is to say, is there any duplication in what I'm buying and, you know, what I've already got? But not to mention, what is that going to cost me? Because in this case, given that there was duplication, it actually turned out that the, with the fund's fees being 3-plus percent, over 3 percent. Uh, we don't have... We, a single client that I know of that's paying something like that. Not no, at all. Nowhere close. So, yeah. And that's the smartest thing to me that, that Reed did during this whole thing was to communicate that to you that he had right. you know, invested in this. It probably would have been better had he done that before he invested in this because <laughs> you wanted him to yeah. steer him uh, in, the, right. in a different direction. Well, And look, if it was truly something that he still wanted to buy, what we could have done was tapered back or, or, or trimmed down some of the weightings in our portfolio so that as he does gain this exposure to this fund and therefore the exposure to the companies within it, he's not becoming overweighted 
by a result of purchasing that product because unknowingly he did that to himself and he wouldn't have intentionally done that. But, you know, when these products get put together like this and then ultimately sold by, by an advisor that is likely earning a commission to sell it, uh, that's not something that's really being considered. I mean, they're using, it's essentially a marketing gimmick in my opinion. Gimmick, absolutely. Completely. It's not that dissimilar to the the dog leasing situation. There's a, there's yeah, right. something out there for everybody. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, uh, emotion. I think it really does play into a situation absolutely. like this. Why in the world? I mean, you know, I'm I'm uh, I guess a casual observer of uh, politics, and and for my position, I I need to watch it pretty closely, but uh, try to keep the emotion at a minimum. I I try to look at things through the you know, through more of a prism of what's what in reality might we get from something like this. Sure. I, we didn't go out and blindly uh, rebalance our portfolios to, to include new and strange stocks right. because we got a new president. Now well, you might make some allocation changes, sure. you know, increase weights uh, in this situation to financials right. and, and reduce those that are uh, maybe rate sensitive, but we didn't go out and say, "Hey, look, this is our new Trump right. portfolio." Well, and the bottom line is, you you got to take a longer term perspective than, Absolutely. than just, I mean, uh, the current administration. You know, it'll be there for four years, maybe eight. Maybe. Um, yeah. But you know, but, but when you use our investment philosophy, the ten year rule, you're you're looking out at least ten years as far as equities are concerned to, right. to know that you've got time to recover. So you want to be in a well diversified portfolio. You don't want to be that short sighted, and and thinking that you know. The world's either going to be coming to an end or doing extremely sure. well. You kind of have, have to have a nice balance between uh, what your expectations are, because over the long period of time, uh, you're going to generally perform pretty well in a large cap equity portfolio. Sure. And, and that doesn't have to be expensive, because in truth, uh, you know, this product in particular was pretty diverse within and of itself. But sure. It's also one that was extremely high fees, and I think the telltale sign to us when Troy and I uh, initially looked at it was at the time, now this was early February, so almost a month ago, but since the inauguration to the point in time in which we looked, at the day that we looked at it, the fund actually had positive performance, and the client's performance was negative. And sure. so you can see how that, that those fees actually are creating a much higher hurdle rate than what's necessary. And our general Absolutely. philosophy is that, look, there's a cheaper way to do what you're probably trying to do in owning that product through maybe owning individual securities sure. or other ways. The point is it doesn't necessarily take a high fee structure in order to generate a high return. And in this case, it actually prevented the, the client from returning at all. We'll come back to that question when we get back. Uh, you're listening to Money Talks. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Jarrett McKenzie. Uh, guys, we were just talking about, uh, well, several things. Number one, how I whipsawed the music really bad. <laughs> yeah, you on that first yeah, segment. Yeah, I can't so much strange trip there, Troy. It, well, I mean, we need know, a good it's, mix. It's music, it's, it's all here. That's so, true. Hey. You know, we talk about diversifying. That's I'm right. diversifying your music. That's right. That's it, for sure. There's surely no problem with that. We have, we have a, a diverse range of listeners, I'm sure. Yep. So we've got a diverse range of yeah. music that will help them all out, right? 
Yeah. I don't know if if that works in music or not. I don't know if I'm. Oh man. If, yeah. if there's the the higher risk of yeah being well, offended that. I, I'm. Uh, <laughs> you think I'm, I might go, be reading too much? You're it. saying we probably ought to stay kind of down the middle of the road and not on the tail end hey, of either one of these. Look, I'm I'm all for it. All right, well, whatever. All right. Move throughout the spectrum. That's right. Okay. Uh, well, we were just talking about a um, uh, situation that we ran into where yep. we had a, uh, a client. It, it well, happens we, often. Right. We've been it running into often. it. I mean, we've created a case study around uh, Reed and Kristen here, but. The reason we did that is because this has come up a few times now, and so we felt like we needed to address it, given that since the inauguration, clearly there's been a lot of things happening. I'm th- what has it been, 12 or 13 new record highs oh, since yeah. the inauguration? Uh, so seems one every day. <laughs> right. The, the fact that there are advisors or companies out here that are creating products designed at – I don't want to say manipulating investors or clients because that's not necessarily what's happening. It's just that they're packaging investments together as a product to try and entice people to invest in a certain way. And in doing so, actually uh, making it very expensive to do uh, when they could do virtually the same thing in a much cheaper way. And that's right. sort of the point we're trying to get across here is that, in, you know, if you're looking at one of these products, be it an election fund like the one in question as it relates to this this, this quote-unquote Trump portfolio or, or really a lot of other products uh, that you might be considering, also consider ways in which you might be able to accomplish your objective cheaper because, you know, it, it, in many cases that will uh, actually be how it pans out. I don't I don't think that these type fees, again, three, three and a half, almost four percent are necessary. Well, and the reason that they're able to get away with that kind of thing, Jared, is, you know, obviously it's something that's not easily uh, seen by the client. I mean, right. It's a, you tack a fee onto a fund, a, right. a, a pooled investment product like this, and and it just comes off the net asset value of that fund. Exactly. And so you don't necessarily know what the fee is. Yep. Um, well, uh, most people don't. You're absolutely right. That's a great point. Well, so, and and there's another thing too. You just said, you know, what's what's the uh, longer term strategy? Yeah, you don't want to make this op- or allow this opportunity to get away. I don't know if that's really the best way to look at the market. But if you're if you're doing something that doesn't really fit with a strategy that you've already got in place, mm-hmm. uh, you, you need to be careful of that too. So, yeah. you know, in this particular instance, uh, you can see overlap with other stocks that you already own. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it'd be real easy to, to overweight in a position that uh, that you uh, might not expect to do well. And sure. you know, your ultimate point was. Paying 3% for negative earnings or negative returns, that right. just hurts. Well, it, it creates a, a heck of a hurdle rate, right? I mean, it, Absolutely. let's say, the, and these are viable investments. In fact, that's where some of this duplication is coming from. There, there's five or six or even more of these that we've seen in these election funds that a lot of our clients already own and are recommended by our firm. And so they don't necessarily need to be going out and, and spending much more on the same investments while also overweighting those investments and, and doing something that might be working uh, against the strategy that they've already got in place. I, I personally don't don't know that they're, I mean, again, personally looking at this, I might say as, as an advisor, if this were pitched to me, look, why can't I just go out and buy those same investments? Now, granted, that's going to require that you also manage those investments on an ongoing basis. Sure. But compare that initial cost to what the initial cost of these products are going to be and say, 
Well, and especially if you've already got an advisor, yeah. you might, I mean, have this conversation up front with them and say, look, here's what I'm considering. I don't know whether or not it's, it's, a, it's something I should consider, but I wanted to get your opinion on it because there's no, there's no harm in that, right? Sure. So I would say that's a lesson here as well. Yeah. So it's all about communicating with your advisor because it had, you know, in, in any of these cases, had they brought forth, Here's, here's something I'm looking to buy. We could take a look at the prospectus, at the, the offering, see what are the underlying investments. And if it's substantially similar to what we're already doing for you at a much cheaper, you know, call it 1% compared to 3%, why wouldn't you just, you know, right. put more money into the 1%? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, yeah. it's you know, it, it just makes sense from, from that perspective. And looking at it from a fee standpoint, um, you know, that's, so obviously you're going to get a more, to Jarrett's point, you, you have a lower hurdle rate so that once you clear that hurdle rate, it's all profit from there for you. Clearly in this particular case, too, a professional is able to look at the details of the fee yeah. right. and make much better sense out of it as well. So yeah. uh, all things considered, basically we're just in, uh, encouraging you all to uh, ask your advisor. It's probably a good thing to do. That's right. And, and it would have cost them how much extra, Jarrett? <laughs> not, not at all, at least not under at our time. fee structure. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, that's, that's the good thing about having somebody come alongside you in the manner that we do. Sure. Uh, this kind of feeds into a larger conversation that we've been having the past few weeks about fees and comparing them between, be it an RIA and a broker-dealer or between investments themselves. I mean, you couldn't compare an advisory fee that you pay an RIA, say just a flat fee for the services that they perform for you, to what you are paying for this product because it's not apples to apples. And that sort of feeds into this question uh, that we have here, from David from Atlanta, um, and he's considering some things within his 401k firm, uh, or excuse me, within his 401k at his firm, uh, that he's saying he feels trapped in the high invest or high fees that are contained within the investments of that 401k. Now these investments all seem to have high fees, he says, and then there are the administration fees as well. He says the firm's only got 30 or so employees, but the system seems strangely skewed against them. Uh, he also says that he's hearing some of the younger employees laughing and saying that they're not giving their money away to a 401k. What do they know that I don't? What do you got to say to David there, Casey? Well, I mean, the the first thing is that's very true. The, the fees can vary widely among different types of 401k plans, both from the standpoint of the investments within the plan and then the administration fees and, and service fees that are attached to the plan as well. And you know, just because you have a small firm doesn't necessarily mean you get, you got to pay a higher fee for service or, or for the investment expenses. I mean, the investment options that are available to you uh, are going to be the majority of the cost within the plan. And then there's some, you know, the administration fees are another component to that. Um, you know, one of the things that one of the services that we offer uh, at Hensler, not to, you know, make this into a self-serving <laughs> infomercial, but... but um, well, it's, it's the truth. It's, it's necessary. <laughs> well, one of the services that we do provide is to, to uh, take a look at your current plan and, and offer you some, uh, tell you what the fees are and, and to be able to offer you uh, some alternatives to say, 
you know, different providers, here's how you might be able to save some expense right. and still get the same quality or hopefully better quality investments. Yeah, and um, even, uh, you know, quite often we look at those plans and we find that the, the fees aren't too bad and we can yeah. give them advice on which of the, the options within that portfolio sure. actually fit with the rest of their portfolio. Yeah. Another one of those ways that, you know, it's good for us to well, There is to still a, a substantial amount of guidance needed there, I think. I mean, a lot of people we find are looking at, what do they have, 15 options or so? Yeah, They're saying, awesome. well, I can... I can make a, you know, I can pick out of 15. I'm not looking at this entire stock universe like like a professional advisor might be and just say, well, yeah, I'll just do kind of, you know, what I feel like I should within these 15 investments. And that that can really start to skew the overall strategy that you've got in place if you've got assets outside of that 401. There is a lot more clarity now than there used to be as far as what the fees actually are. I guess starting yeah. in 2012. Sure. A lot, of, a lot of noise has been made in the media yeah, about, absolutely. you know, FISA and mm-hmm. rightly so. Yeah, the disclosures now that have to be provided to the participants within the plan are, are dramatically different than they were prior to 2012. So you do have a lot of information available to you to be able to go in and look kind of under the hood of those plans and see what are the fees that you're paying and does it make sense to pay those fees. Um, if you can go get a similar investment uh, lineup or uh, similar plan service and, and options, then for a lower fee, then why wouldn't you do that? So right. Uh, it, it's creating some competition in that space as well that's driving costs down. Right. One one thing that I, I see a lot when I look at people's 401ks is uh, they'll take the, the default option that is their target date fund, basically yeah. a fund that's uh, put together for somebody that's expected to, tar- to uh, retire within a four, five, ten-year period, whatever it is. And uh, while that's a real easy decision to make, it doesn't always – Make the best sense. You have to kind of hold the the uh, um, that out as uh, the portfolio that uh, that someone else might have chosen for you. But I, trust me, uh, every 2050 plan or 2050 target date fund is not the same. Right. Their performance is not all going to be the same. Some of them are a lot more conservative. Some of them are a lot more aggressive. Uh, if you're out 30 years, you can take a, a bit more risk. Sure. Uh, you know, and and I think just about every target date fund I've ever seen, no matter what the retirement target date is, has bonds in it. And I, I'm not so sure that that's going to be your absolute and probably best some choice. cash too. I mean, there I, might be some sometimes. uninvested money that's that's just sitting there and not earning anything. So. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, they'll load them up with all kind of things. It, it's it's good to review your 401k for sure. Guys, let's take another quick break. Music's a little better this time, right? Maybe yeah, it's a Sounds good to me. All right. Is that working for you? A little bit of House of the Rising stuff? Sounds like I just got in my truck. Oh, really? <laughs> Speaking our language naturally. <laughs> You're listening to Money Talks with uh, Troy Harmon, KC Smith, and Jarrett McKenzie. Um, guys, we've been answering a question or two, and I never gave out the contact information. Let's do that real quick. Uh, you can email us any question you have. We love to answer your financial questions. Uh, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com is the email address. Uh, we can also uh, take your calls locally, 770-429-9166. And then we have a, a question hotline that uh, 
Our producer set up for us recently. It is uh, 1-855-429-9166. You can call in, ask us your question, and we can play the audio online for you. And uh, actually, guys, we do have one of those this week. Listen to Alex real quick. Hi, uh, this is Alex from Kennesaw. I'm interested in investing in Netflix, and I've been looking at their projected earnings growth and the P-to-E ratio estimates for 2017 and the years after that. Being new to investing, I'm wondering if there are any more sound methods to look at when evaluating what their long-term growth might look like and if there's anything I should know when looking at those estimates. Thank you. All right, Alex. Uh, yeah, you know, the the uh, case with Netflix really is about growth. Uh, if you look at revenue growth, it's been kind of off the charts, 35.6% annually for the last three years. Uh, but when it comes to earnings growth, um, we're only growing by 1%. As long as the stock's growing, I'm, I'm happy. Jared is, Jared, Jared is a huge advocate. I, I will tell you, Netflix actually meets our criteria for investment, uh, which means that you know it's going to be uh, relatively safe. If you look at uh, items like the balance sheet and the fact that uh, it, it doesn't have much debt, very uh, uh, achievable debt, it's uh, you know easy to service. I guess is the best way. But you know when it comes to uh, predictable earnings, I'm not so sure that we've got one here that's uh, all that predictable. I know. Would you say that some of that? Of, some of the. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I'm just going to say the last couple of uh, earnings releases they've knocked the cover off the ball. Right. They've, they've beaten significantly, but. Uh, you know, at some point, and and you know the price on this thing, the PE ratio, 331 times earnings. Yeah, that's pretty expensive. That's tough. That's tough. Oh, Jared, I hope your uh, price is no, much I've, lower. I've than been you. holding it for years. Years. <laughs> All right. So he's a, a seasoned investor in that. House of Cards coming back. As long as, long as I'm paying that monthly fee, I'm going to be a shareholder because I know every time it comes out, I say, man, is yeah. this worth it? Well, I'll tell you this. In times past, I have actually kind of uh, sneered at, at Netflix as an investment. I guess I tied it too much to maybe the old blockbuster and how easy that seemed to be to kill. But you got Netflix now that's creating its own content. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's more than it's just good a, content, too. It really is. Right. And it's, it's more than just a, a, a way to go out and rent somebody else's movie. They're actually creating things within it. Um, you know, I, I would have to still call it, if you own it, hang on to it. Uh, but I can't get behind buying something at 331 times no, earnings. I wouldn't buy it now. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty expensive. Yeah. So anyway, there we have it. Uh, we'll call it a hold, I guess, just to keep from throwing big rocks. Uh, <laughs> we got another question here from Alan from Dallas. Uh, he says, I know this might be more consumer finance, but I wanted to get your opinions on buying versus leasing a car. I could lease for less and invest the difference. Or I could own, which sounds like the better long-term option. Uh, we already covered don't lease your dog, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> pr- pretty much. All right, but your car is a whole different story, Car is right? a different story. You yeah. Know, uh, you guys got an answer for that? Y'all are the CFP types. Come on, guys. Yeah. Yeah, we're used well, to this, is, this answer. This it is depends. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> what are y'all This is your typical, your typical is... it depends answer right here. Wow. Okay. Um, obviously, there's some benefits to both, and we could probably make the argument for either, depending on what the scenario is, but... Um, 
obviously if you're the kind of person that wants to drive a, a new vehicle every couple of years, then leasing is probably the best way to go, wouldn't you say, Jerry? Yeah, I mean, you know, financially, I don't know that it would, you would look back and say, oh, that was the best decision financially. But some of this is behavioral too, right, which there's a lot of in this business. And I think that the clients that I, I see that want to lease that maybe aren't, say, a business owner and, and can run that lease through the business and sort of, you know, get some tax breaks or advantages because of it, you're right that they want to own a new car. You know, they like driving something new around every couple of years. And there's these benefits that are much more behaviorally tied than they are financially tied. Because again, if you look back, you know, five, 10 years from now and say, was that the best decision financially? Rarely, I would say at least, at least not as much as you otherwise would say, maybe I don't think that was the best decision. You can probably drive a, a, a newer, nicer car maybe and be able to afford the payment better with a lease because of the way that they calculate the payment. Exactly. It's not based on, you know, the purchase price, the value of the car when you buy it. It's based on the depreciation, actually. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a different way of coming up with how much your payment's going to be. So you can probably get a little bit more car for your money if you lease. On, right. the, on the flip side. There's limitations. Yeah, there's, there's definitely limitations. You know, you're usually limited on how many miles you can drive in a year. Um, you know, twelve to 15,000 would be kind of typical. Yep. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, if you're the kind of person like I am where you're pretty, pretty hard on your vehicle and mm-hmm. I got two small kids, so. Right. Uh, it's not something that I'd want to go turn into the, the dealer after a couple of years and feel real good about it. <laughs> so, well, are you afraid you'd miss the Pop-Tart between the yeah, seats? Yeah, I, I might. There might be some French fries between yeah. the seats or, or some, uh, loose change, you know, some crayons. And the, well, the, you said you had sure. kids. You don't have loose change. No, that's, that's for sure. Right. All that's sucked up. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, look, this is very, very circumstantial with regard to your question here, Alan, because it may very well be right for you, depending on you know where you're at. Are you a business owner? Are you not? Do, are you do you have a mindset like what Casey was talking about a minute ago, and maybe like to have a car every couple of years? Do you are you in a position to where you you don't need to have that lower payment or that to make more sense for you? Uh, at this time, I mean, it, it's going to vary from person to person, and you, you know, we might present the same issue or or your situation uh, to two different people, and they have very different answers because of their circumstances. So, yeah, there's really no wrong answer. It just depends on uh, kind of what what your circumstances are, and it's more of a behavioral finance question than anything, I would say, especially if you're not a business owner. Most definitely. Not an across-the-board answer. It's kind of one that's a personal decision as much as anything. That's right. Yeah. All right. So uh, we got another question here we can cover real quick before the end of the show. Uh, Brad from Forest Park says, uh, I have a small position in Skyworks Solutions. I'm pleased with the performance, and I'd like to invest more, but I'm also concerned because it's at its 52-week high or near its 52-week high. What are your opinions? Well, first of all, I'm not a huge fan of looking at the 52-week high. I was going to say that's we have uh, a lot of stocks right now that are near their 52-week high, and were when the Dow was at 19,000, right where it is now. Yeah, yeah exactly. We got Dow over 21,000 this week. We didn't talk much about it, and I, you know, to be honest with you, it seems like uh, the market does nothing but go up these days. That's because I keep saying it'll go down. That's well, why I do that. Yeah, thanks, Jared. <laughs> I, I forgot again to thank you for that. Uh, but the, the the thing that I would recommend is look at the fundamentals. You've got this stock uh, has a, a P.E. ratio of 20.29, which is relatively low. Uh, it's it's below uh, historic value, at, you know, about 20.59, I think, is, is uh, uh, the, the 
better portion of that. Um, it looks to be reasonably, reasonably priced for the uh, PEG ratio, which is the forward PE divided by growth. Uh, long-term growth expected at about 14.7%. Uh, the PEG is one which is right on par for where I would normally say, you know, this is a viable stock. Yeah. Uh, it's much lower than the market. Uh, lately, it's got an EVA spread, which is the return on invested capital minus the weighted average cost of capital. EVA spread of 12%, which is substantially higher than most companies. Uh, Skyworks, you know, the re revenue growth is also impressive, over 20%. Uh, you got operating profit margin at 34.4%. The only thing, the, the company makes um, semiconductor products, and, uh, it, you know, it's got plenty of intellectual property. Um, it, it's connecting their, their products or the products that they, they uh, uh, their devices go in are part of the Internet of Things. You've got a, a lot of uh, their semiconductors are going into that particular space. So things are good for them at the moment. I, uh, I, you know, I don't know why you would want to sell. You could easily buy more, I think. So sure. there you go. Uh, guys, we're coming down to the wire now. And, uh, Jarrett, I'm going to ask you, you go one first, question. Jared, because I'm going to do the opposite of whatever you say. Well, look, I've got some clients with cash in these to invest, so I'm going to say it's going up this week. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll buy an opportunity. Jarrett. You're going to make me the contrarian now. I'm going to say now. Wow. You really went with that. Yeah. I think he just played you. Hey, I'm doing the opposite. We'll see if oh, that's good stuff. I, I talk to you about fundamentals. We talk about how strange it is to, to have the moves that we've had. And then we just make a joke. We make a mockery out of the market. <laughs> I think it's, it's from week to week, really. Yeah, yeah I mean, I guess. come on. You're right. Long term, the long term is going up. Go up. All right. Well, you've been listening to Money Talks. Tune in again next week, and we'll fill you with the same brilliance. Take care. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.